Hey there, friend, and welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. More specifically, our pre-Thanksgiving pep talk episode of the podcast, episode 155. And if you are tuning into this in live time on the day that it airs, happy day before Thanksgiving. I'm recording this episode, obviously, before the day that it comes out. We're about a a week out in real time when I'm recording this. And I have to say, I have fully started measuring time in increments of all two wells. Uh, If you know, you know, any of my fellow Swifties out there over the past week or so since Red Taylor's version has come out, that 10-minute version of All Too Well has become the sound that is in my ears 90% of the time, and I officially have started measuring time in, like I said, All Too Wells. It's like, If I'm trying to figure out how far of a drive something is, I say, oh, it's not too far. It's about one all too well away. Or, you know, I'm going to take a break from work and take a a walk that's worth two all too wells. (laughs) I don't think I'm the only person that does this. I actually saw a TikTok because I am on Swift Talk. I saw a TikTok the other day that confirms that I am not the only one who does this. But uh, let me know if you do it too. Anyways, I don't know why I jumped into talking about that. Must be because Red Taylor's version has been one of the only things on my brain over the past week, but we are actually here to talk about Thanksgiving. And actually, this episode is going to go beyond Thanksgiving. It's kind of going to be something that you can return to throughout the holiday season in general or as you head into any social gatherings where eating might be a thing that you're doing. Because I know that the holiday season can be kind of stressful for a lot of different reasons, but it can be especially stressful to head into a time of year when food is often a really big focal point. If you're not feeling so comfortable or confident in your relationship with food. So I wanted to create this episode as a resource that you can tune into either before or on Thanksgiving day or in the upcoming months as a whole, just so you can feel like you have a friend and someone in your corner who just happens to be a dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor who is here to just have a casual conversation with you and remind you of a few things to just keep you grounded over the next few days and months in general. So I have a few reminders and words of encouragement that I will offer here at the top of the episode. And then I've spent a little bit of time uh, planning and brainstorming some questions that I want to answer for you all about holiday eating that some of you submitted through an Instagram question box that I threw up earlier this week. And I'll cover those closer to the end of the episode. But before we get to all of that, just a quick and final reminder that we are nearing the end of our November Attitude of Gratitude giveaway here on the podcast. And this is a giveaway that has been going on throughout the month of November here on the pod where one lucky winner is going to gain complete access to my intuitive eating discovery course 100% for free. So the 
course, if you are new here, I'll just do a little recap as far as who the course is for and what it includes in case you want to enter into this giveaway. But the course is for people who want a roadmap to get started with intuitive eating, break up with their dieting tools, and reconnect to their body's cues around eating. So things like hunger cues, fullness and satisfaction cues. And it's also for those who want to begin turning down the volume on the voice of that inner food police. So enrollment in the course includes eight guided coaching lessons and each of these lessons are filled with real life tools that you can apply to your life as soon as you listen. You'll also get downloadable PDF worksheets following each coaching module that contain key takeaways and journaling prompts and some activities to help you set goals on what you learn in each module. You also get lifelong access to a private Facebook community exclusively for course participants. So here you gather support, you can ask questions of both the community and myself, and you can tune in into our live Q&A sessions. And there's also a ton of bonus content as well. We have a mindful eating guide. We have a body image healing Q&A with licensed professional counselor and body image coach, Brianna Campos. You may know her as Body Image with Brie. There's an additional resources guide. There are phone backgrounds that you can pop up on the back of your phone and a lot of other stuff as well. So if this sounds interesting to you and you would like to enter a chance to win free enrollment in this course, all you have to do is leave a five-star rating and review of the show. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can tap those five stars and write a review sharing what you enjoy about the show, maybe what you're learning or who you'd recommend it for. And if you're not using Apple Podcasts, I don't want to exclude exclude you from the fun. So you can also enter by taking a screenshot of wherever you are listening today and share that screenshot to your social media platform of choice. So it could be something like an Instagram story or a post. Again, share what you like about the show, who you'd recommend it for, and wherever you're putting that up on social. Be sure to tag me as well at Claire Tuning so I can see it and add you to the giveaway list. I'm going to be drawing the winner of the giveaway here in just a few days, actually, at the end of this month, and I will be announcing that one lucky winner on our episode that airs one week from today on Wednesday, December 1st. Just to give you a little idea of your odds of being able to win this giveaway, last year, last year was the first year I did this giveaway, and then I think I only had about eight to 10 entries. So you do the math there. I know we already have a couple entries going for this year's giveaway, but if you do choose to enter, I will say that your odds of winning are likely going to be pretty darn good. So take that as you will. And thank you. Thank you as always for your support and coming back here to listen every week. But without further ado, Let's get into it here with a few reminders that I have for you heading into tomorrow, Thanksgiving, or any other holiday eating gathering that you might be headed to over the next month or so. 
Tip number one or reminder number one. I don't know if I should call these tips or reminders. I guess they're a little bit of both. But number one, you do not need to skip meals or starve yourself in order to, quote, save up, as they say, for those delicious holiday meals. In fact, your body and your brain need regular fuel every single day. That includes holidays and non-holidays alike. And you might have a big, delicious, and celebratory meal planned for later in the day tomorrow or whenever that's happening, but just because you're having a bigger meal later in the afternoon or evening does not mean that you don't need to eat leading up to that meal. In fact, I'm going to argue that odds are high you will feel a lot better before, during, and after that big celebratory meal if you aren't hangry heading into it. I know a lot of the times here on the podcast, if you're a returning listener, you might remember I talk about this thing that I call the pendulum analogy. So if you envision me holding a little pendulum, a ball on a string, and I'm pulling it all the way to the side, to the extreme as far as it will go, and I let the little ball go, Well, what happens is it swings all the way to the opposite side with some intensity. It goes pretty fast, right? It's it's making up by swinging to the other side. The same thing happens when we head into any eating experience, especially a holiday one where we're surrounded by all of these fun and delicious foods we don't often get. But the same things happens when we're heading into a meal feeling overly hungry. Right, if you restrict, restrict, and you're ignoring your hunger cues leading up to that meal, and then you sit down and there's an abundance of delicious food, then it makes a whole lot of sense why you might feel kind of out of control and like you can't slow down and like you're really not going to be able to pay attention to any of your body's cues or the desire to want to be mindful because in that moment if you've entered into that experience feeling overly hungry your body is just going to be in overdrive mode right your body says i needed fuel hours ago and i didn't get it so now I'm trying to make up for lost time, which is usually going to take the form of a chaotic eating experience that feels maybe a little all over the place. So bottom line here, we do not need to skip meals in order to save up the appetite or the calories for the meal later in the day because your body needs regular fuel every single day And you're probably going to have a more enjoyable eating experience with that big meal if you don't head into it feeling hangry. Thing number two, try your best. Now, I know this is going to be a challenge, especially if you're around other people who are not trying their best to do this thing. But we want to try as much as we can to use neutral language when talking to ourselves and to others about food because our words really do matter. You might be familiar with that one saying or that one quote of, I'm probably going to butcher it, but hopefully you all will get the point. But it's something along the lines of whenever you speak, you know that at least one person is always listening. And that one person is you. So how you are talking to yourself 
about food inside your own head. That's really important. And it's also important the words that we are using to talk about food in a social setting because other people hear those words as well. So what do I mean by this? What do I mean by using neutral language to describe food? Well, instead of using moralizing terms like bad or tempting, sinful, like all of these terms that people like to assign to food that food really cannot be because food is just food at the end of the day. So we're going to take all of these moralizing terms and instead try to use descriptive, neutral terms. These might be words like crunchy or sweet, savory, hearty, filling. I already said savory. I guess we could say salty. I don't know. You could even describe the temperature of the food. <laughs> like That might sound silly and kind of rudimentary, but these words, so these neutral descriptors, leave a lot less room for judgment on your plate. And I don't know about your Thanksgiving plate. Mind, mine tends to be pretty full. I don't have a lot of room for judgment. In fact, I have no room for judgment because I want to save room for as much mac and cheese and mashed potatoes as I can get. And I, I feel like I should clarify here that when we are using more neutral and descriptive terms, these aren't necessarily going to erase any negative thoughts that we have about food. And that's really not the point, right? It's kind of unrealistic to think that if we have all of these negative thoughts about food swirling in our mind, that we're just gonna snap our fingers, there I am snapping, and we'll completely eradicate those thoughts, right? Especially if you've had those thoughts for months and years and maybe even decades of our lives, we're not just going to completely sweep them out of our brains. But what we can do by using these more neutral words, we can just offer ourselves the opportunity to have more interactions with food that are pleasant and that are neutral. Because when you're describing something based on how it looks, how it tastes, and how it smells, there really isn't a lot of room for judgment, right? We're not going to judge and argue that something is green or something is brown. Well, you know, I guess there's something to be said for people perceiving colors differently. We'll leave that nuance out of the conversation. But when we're using these terms like crunchy or sweet or savory, it is what it is with those words. They are not judgmental. They are not harsh. They are not bringing those moralizing qualities to food. We are just talking about food and describing it. And again, it just leaves less room for judgment, which is the whole goal there. Tip number three, and this one, this one can be tricky, again, especially if not everyone surrounding your holiday table is trying to do this, but I want to encourage you to focus on your own plate and remind others to do the same. At least remind others as much as you are able and or are comfortable with doing. Because at the end of the day, your plate is your business and someone else's plate is their business. You do not live in anyone else's body but your own, and the same rings true for those around you. They do not live in your body. So only you know how much you need, only you know what sounds good to you. So you 
need to feel empowered to make those decisions for yourself and let other people do the same for them. And I promise also that there are much better things to do at the Thanksgiving table than to nitpick someone else's food choices. Like, I don't know, you could talk about politics. (laughs) LOL. Totally kidding with that. I know that is sometimes equally as an emotionally charged category as food, depending on your family and the dynamics there. But I promise there are better... Let Let me go back and edit that last statement. I promise there are better things to do at the Thanksgiving table than to nitpick someone else's food choices and talk about politics. Maybe, I don't know, depends on your family, but maybe you can just catch up on the lives of your loved ones that maybe you haven't been able to be around as much over the past two years. That's an important thing to do. Maybe you can share a joke. Listen, you can come up with the things that you would rather do at your Thanksgiving table, but let's just leave nitpicking or judging someone else's food choices off the table. All of my puns are intentional, yes. So I hope you found these, uh, these three reminders, tips, helpful. Again, I just wanted this to be a little a little pep talk or a little friendly conversation with your neighborhood dietitian as you head into the holidays. But let's go ahead and move on to a little Q&A segment that I collected from Instagram not that long ago. In fact, when I am recording this, I collected these in mere 24 hours ago. So (laughs) these are really fresh on my mind. But um, many of the questions, as you can imagine, were similar. There was a lot of overlap. So I have kind of condensed them into three main topics or three main questions that kind of catch a lot of the main themes that I saw being represented in this question box. The first one a lot of questions about how to deal with diet talk when it comes up. And these questions kind of fall into two different categories. So category one being how to know when to walk away from a conversation versus when to speak up against diet talk or talk that is harmful about body, food, etc. So that is one category. And the second category is if you do choose to speak up or engage in these conversations, how to navigate that. So first, let's talk about category one, knowing when to walk away versus when to speak up and engage. And I think this really depends on the environment that you're in and who you are speaking with. So I think we can all agree that some environments are way more conducive to having productive conversations than others. For example, if you are in a really busy, loud, crowded room, and it's hard for you to even hear the other person, and they're kind of distracted, right? It might be really challenging to have a meaningful conversation where you're both actively listening and hearing each other out versus if a comment is made in an environment that's relatively quiet and it's maybe one-on-one between you and this person, maybe that's a better environment to speak up in and have a meaningful conversation with this person in. 
And I think it also depends on who you are speaking with, right? We have to factor in how well you know the person who has maybe made the comment and not only how well you know them, but also how receptive they are going to be to hearing things from your point of view and possibly working to understand how their comments are unhelpful or maybe even harmful. So let me back up a minute to how well you know the person. And in with this conversation, I want to group in acknowledging if their comments are a pattern or if this is a one-off thing. So let's pretend that a family member who you only see like once a year, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate, if you're only seeing this person once a year and you don't really talk to them a ton throughout the year, you don't spend a lot of time with them, and maybe you also know that they tend to be, to be pretty stubborn and rooted in their ways and beliefs, then it might just be best for you in that moment to brush said comment off and pivot the conversation into another territory entirely. On the other hand, if this is someone who you see pretty regularly and you're kind of beginning to realize that these comments that they make about food, bodies, whatever it is, these comments are becoming a pattern and this pattern is really becoming draining for you, it's chiseling away at your mental health and energy, and again, you're in an environment that is conducive to a conversation, then that might be more of a place for you to speak up. So again, just to recap, we have to factor in how well you know the person, if these comments are a pattern, or if this is just a one-off thing that they said to maybe fill dead airspace. We know how sometimes people are uncomfortable with silence, so they have to insert unhelpful comments sometimes. And we also have to factor in how receptive you think that person might be to hearing some of these things. So if you choose not to engage, I hinted at this earlier, we just want to pivot the conversation. How many times on this podcast have I made the joke about pivot from Ross with friends, but I simply cannot say the word pivot and not call that TV show to mind. So you can pivot the conversation. Maybe have some other conversation points queued up in your mind. We could always talk about the weather. Who doesn't love that? We could talk about TV shows that you love. You could talk about, hmm, I don't know, anything work-related. Just things that are maybe in, are inherently lighter than digging into hey, your comments are super hurtful for me and that's fatphobic and this is why you should not say X, Y, and Z. So just pivoting to another point in the conversation. But if you do choose to engage, I think it can be helpful to do a couple of different things here. First and foremost, I think it can be helpful to offer some sort of validation. Now, I wanna be clear here that I am not saying you have to agree with what the person said. That is not what I'm saying at all. I am saying it can be useful to offer some sort of validation to whatever statement that they said, just so the other person knows that they have been heard. So a statement of validation could sound something like, hey, it really sounds like you're enjoying X program. 
Maybe it's a diet program that they brought up, or it really sounds like you are feeling good or you are feeling happy. I think a lot of the times when we're looking for a validating statement, just starting off with that phrase of it sounds like dot, 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 it sounds like you more specifically can be a great way to start a conversation because again, it just lets the other person know that you have heard them. And I mean, when have you ever had a productive conversation where you have just started off being really combative with the person, right? And be like, ah, you should never talk about that, right? It just usually doesn't go anywhere productive. So we just want to let the other person know, I hear you. It's not necessarily I agree with you or wow, tell me more. You're just saying, I hear you. It sounds like dot, dot, dot. After you have led with this statement of validation, maybe think about a way to follow that up with an and statement. Now, you might be familiar with the difference between an and statement and a but statement, but usually if you follow something up with the word but, it kind of negates what you just said, right? But if you follow something up with the word and, it just allows time and space in the conversation for you to insert a different point of view while not trampling over everything that they just said. An example of what I mean. It sounds like, there's that phrase again, right? It sounds like that keto approach. I don't know why keto is on my mind, but odds are you will probably hear something about it, right? It sounds like keto is working for you. And I just know that that way of eating wouldn't be sustainable or enjoyable for me. Or another example, I know our culture really normalizes talking about food in a negative way, And I've actually found it really helpful to use more neutral language when talking about food. I find that it helps me to judge my choices less, or it helps me to be kinder to myself. And you can even kind of lead uh, into countering comments with a a bit of a joke. Uh, Again, I think this kind of depends on your personality and maybe the relationship you have with the person making the comment, but I sometimes I find sprinkling in a little bit of humor can also be an effective way in shutting down diet talk. So an example of this, I know something that I have said before is something like, you know, it's just mac and cheese on Cheryl. You aren't committing a crime, right? You're not doing anything bad. It is just mac and cheese. It's just a food. And one other thing that I want to add in here, because something else that I got a lot in these question boxes that I think fits in this conversation of dealing with diet talk. A lot of people said that their friends or family members will often say something like, are you sure you want to eat that? Or haven't you had enough of that already? Just like the very, I don't know, passive aggressive, like, I just got like, I know you can't see me right now, but I'm just like doing this icky crawling out of my skin type motion because that is how those comments make me feel. But if someone hits you with a, are you sure you want to eat that? You could just say something simple like, "Uh, yeah, I am. I'm putting it on my plate, aren't I? Or again, if you want to take the humorous, a little bit sassy route, you could say, I wasn't aware that you were living in my body and knew my cues. Wow, how'd you, how'd you get in there? Like, I don't know your body, so how do you know what's best for me? Something like that, again, can just be a, a more lighthearted 
yet effective way to shutting down some of these conversations. Next category of questions kind of had something to do with families just having different eating schedules and eating patterns than you do. So this could be your family often skips breakfast on a holiday or your family eating at weird times or just times that you are not used to. Or another theme that I saw was people's families eating a lot less frequently um, than you feel like you need to. So we talked earlier in this episode about the importance of not restricting heading into your big holiday meal. So everything that I said before definitely still stands. So I think it's important to keep that in mind as well as maybe acknowledging that sometimes you might need to grab something to eat when no one else is. And I know this may prove to be difficult if you are in someone else's house or if you are always having to be on the go with holiday festivities. So something if this applies to you, right? If you feel like you need to eat more regularly than those people in your family or in your household, but you know you don't wanna be going into someone else's pantry and they might not always have food ready for you, something that you can try is keeping a few simple snacks. These could be some things like granola bars or trail mix packs, even maybe some of those like applesauce or the fruit squeezy type of things. I'm trying to think of things that are packaged, uh, individually wrapped, so they are easy to travel with. They don't necessarily require refrigeration. They're easy to stick in a bag, a purse, a fanny pack, whatever you might be carrying around. And you can just bring them with you. Always have them on your person so you can be sure that you will always have some option for fuel on hand when you need it. And again, if you're busy, if you're on the go, if you don't want to have to stop or, or bother whoever your host might be to say, hey, I need a snack. And you know, that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself. We don't need to feel like a burden for meeting our basic needs. But if that's a fear or a concern, having something like this on hand that you can just eat and keep going and you can make sure those needs are met and you won't be having those hangry dips in energy, blood sugar, whatever it is, you can keep some of those snacks on hand. A final category here of some of these questions. This final category is related to Thanksgiving Day bloat. There are actually a couple of questions that phrased it in that way. Thanksgiving Day bloat and or just feeling uncomfortably full. So I think something that is not often talked about with this idea of bloating is that it really is a normal side effect of digestion and being human. Especially when you've had a big and delicious meal that was filled with foods that you might not always eat in your normal rotation. And now bloating that is extreme and frequent and is highly uncomfortable and gets in the way of you living your day-to-day life. Now, sure, that might be an indication that something else is going on, but often it really just is a part of the body's normal digestive process. So my first tip is to remind yourself that feeling bloated 
is okay. And that any discomfort that you might feel associated with bloating or any feelings of unpleasant fullness will pass with time. I think we need to remember that our bodies are incredibly wise and smart and one thing that they have been doing since the moment that we are born is digesting food and making use of that food for energy and heading into this holiday season your body is going to continue doing that so yeah you might have some discomfort associated with eating whether that's from bloating or maybe a little indigestion or feeling in general that feeling of unpleasant fullness that's okay and the discomfort will lessen over time and one final thought here as well is that something that can really exacerbate bloating and other unpleasant body sensations after eating is wearing clothing that is too tight or doesn't fit your here and now body properly. So let this be a reminder to dress in clothing that feels comfortable on your here and now body, at least as much as you are able to. And it is really hard to shift focus away from your body and food and it's hard to be present with those around you if you're constantly having to pull at or adjust the clothing that you're wearing or if what you're wearing is just serving as this constant reminder of how uncomfortable you feel can be difficult to be present. I don't know about you but I am team wear all of the comfy pants to Thanksgiving and to all (laughs) social holiday gatherings because no one wants to feel uncomfortable while they're eating their favorite foods, right? So I hope you all found this conversation, both my reminders at the beginning of this episode and these questions. I know I was a little all over the place. I tried my best to group similarly worded questions together. So I hope this all came out as mostly cohesive and just a helpful conversation to keep in mind as we head into the final month and a half of 2021, which is wild enough on its own, but we'll have plenty of time in the future to talk about the new year and all that comes with that. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being here, for starting off your holiday season with me. If you've made it all the way to the end of this episode, one final reminder about our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway. So if you enjoyed today's episode or anything else that I share here on the podcast, it is always my request and my hope that you will leave a five-star rating and review. And if you choose to do that, before this month of November ends, so you have about another week or so to do so, then you will be entered to win our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway, where one lucky winner is going to have the chance to win free enrollment in my Intuitive Eating Discovery course. So tap those five stars, leave a review. Again, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can share something about the podcast on your Instagram story and tag me, and that will also enter you to win the giveaway. But until next week, it'll be our first episode of December. I'll be announcing the winner then. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I am so grateful for you being a part of this community and have a delicious next couple of days ahead. We'll talk soon. Yours, Julie, Claire.